We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. People I sort of know podcast, Chase Parm here with you as uh, it's every podcast, but this one too, we're just going to talk to people. Some of the people I know really well, some of the people I uh, I know a little bit, maybe I know them through somebody else, or they uh, they have a topic or a specialty that I think we all should get to know together a little bit. So that's this weekly show on the MPW Digital Network, and a great guest to kick it off, Erin Napier from HTTV Hometown. She is the uh, the author of the children's book, The Lantern House, that's out here just recently. It's sitting on my desk here in front of me at the moment, and I've known Erin for a long time. We were at Ole Miss together. I uh, I did some sports copy work for her when she was the editor of the Ole Miss yearbook, and then we reconnected in 2015. It was a tough year for me. I had found her journal that she had started in 2010. I reached out. We reconnected a little bit at that point, and... Uh, she was uh, she was great helping me a couple times during uh, during that difficult season of my life. So uh, we've been friends for a long time. I think you'll love hearing from her today. She's been on this podcast, or at least it's on this podcast network before this. So uh, from HGTV hometown from Ole Miss, let's get started. Here's uh, here's Aaron Napier. Aaron, great to see you. It's been a little little while. You've uh, well, you're always busy. You and Ben are always busy, but you've been busy right now. You've got a uh, a new children's book out, The Lantern House. You've been doing some some signings. It's been out for when we're recording this just for a, uh, a a little bit. And I've got to ask you, I appreciate the time today. When you get into these signings, you've still got to have the anxiety of, is anyone going to show up? What's it going to look like? I mean, what kind of goes into your head when you're walking into these buildings? Yeah, always. Because how embarrassing would it be if no one came? <laughs> That's always a thought that exists. Fortunately, we had great, we did the Mississippi Museum of Art last weekend and mm-hmm. Adam and Ben were with me and um, it was a packed house, which always feels good. That feels like people really do want to read it and hopefully they're going to share it with other people. It was really fun, but I do always get super anxious about writing someone's name wrong in a book, even if they spell <laughs> it three times. Kinsley. Like, I just panic, and I've written the wrong name several times, wasted many books. I wonder what happens to books where you wrote someone's name wrong in them, because I have a few, and I don't know what to do with them now. There's something, maybe they're more valuable. It's like the offshoots over here you just kind of put somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. I want to get into a lot of different things. I'm going to kind of go back and forward, but the book... uh, 
I read it to Carly Ann last night. It is, you know, it, it, it's deeper than some children's books. There's a lot of hope. There's home. There's lots of different elements to it. Where did it kind of come from? Tell me about it a little bit. When did you when did you start this project and what was sort of the uh, the inspiration for it? Um, I wrote it about a year ago and it took about 30 minutes. Writing a children's book is vastly different from writing a memoir, for instance. Um, I've done both. And writing children's books, it, it just uh, was a story that I had had in my mind for years doing, I mean, we've renovated almost 100 houses now. Mm-hmm. And all of them have the same story where the house was built, a family lived there for a time, and then that family moves on or they get older and uh they shrink and then Mm -hmm. a new family comes in and it becomes a happy house that's alive again. And I thought a lot about how I want our daughters to understand why it is that we care what we care about. We care about historic preservation of these houses and it doesn't have to do with pretty tile and sofas. It's about maintaining a piece of history. This is the closest we can get to time travel or old houses and old cars. That's something Ben and I talk about a lot. And we feel like it's our responsibility to take care of them. And they take care of us when we do that. So they're not far different in age, especially Helen, your oldest. What what does she understand about what you do? Mm, Helen, she... Helen understands a lot. I think May understands nothing because she's one. <laughs> mm-hmm. May just gets really excited when I come home every day. Sure. But um, Helen has become obsessed with decorating our house, which means she takes things from one room and moves it to another room where I cannot find it. So she likes to take all the books in the living room and she'll like, make them disappear and then they'll appear on my nightstand, but my nightstand books will be gone. And I have no idea where the book I've been reading for a week is. So, but she says, mommy, look, I decorated for you. Come see what I did. It's just like on hometown and she'll make her own bed in the mornings. And I come in and I make a big deal and get excited. And she says, it's just like on hometown where you come in and you see the house for the first time. And uh, she's, she's figuring it out, but it's weird because For her, she thinks that everyone is on TV because Mm -hmm. everyone in her world is on TV. (laughs) Right. Her mommy, her daddy, her cousins, her aunts and uncles. She just is confused. It's not a big deal to her at all. She thinks that that's what everyone does when they go to work. So we'll explain it one day. But I like her naive thinking about it. So I want to back way up a little bit, because this is what I find kind of crazy about your story is that I know you guys you talk about all this happened off social media and you were just kind of renovating your own house, some friends' houses, some different things and things popped through Instagram. Prior to that, your, your, your house had been featured in a number of blogs and different websites and things. But you and I reconnected 2015. It was a tough year for me. It's when I lost my son and my father. And I just stumbled across your blog. I don't know. We were Facebook friends, but I don't know that I had seen it before that. We were at Ole Miss together. And I, I told you this multiple times, but for anybody who's listening that hasn't heard the story, I just found it one day and I went back to the beginning and I read the whole thing. I'd read, I read five years over the course of weeks or however long. And when I had time and you started this January 1st, 2010, at the point, obviously a different segment of your life at that moment, but it was just finding the positive in every day. And it was doing all these different things. And when 
I mean, when I'm going through whatever, when people are going through, somebody just only picking out the positive, it's a pretty powerful thing when you see it day after day after day. So when the when 2009 is ending and you get this idea in your head, what's going on? What's sort of in your mind at that point that that is where you wanted to take the next year of your life in 2010? Um. Well, I was starting a business and I was terrified. Okay. And, and the only way I knew how to cope with that was to count your many blessings, see what God has done. Uh, you know, you learn that in Bible school when you're a child. Sure. And I found that that was the only real combatant for my anxiety about starting a company. I, I was so afraid. What if we can't make ends meet? What if I make a horrible mistake? And by counting the blessings, I could then have proof that God takes care of us. That was my intent in writing. I didn't think anyone would actually read it except Ben and my mom. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, over time, a few people started to read it. You were one of the very, like, few people who read the whole thing, I think. And I'm sorry, because it was mostly very boring. (laughs) But um, thank you for for reminding me how important it is that I need to remember. I I still journal, but I do it by hand. And it's just uh, not for the public anymore. I felt like once Helen was born... I wanted to keep our kids' lives private. Sure. And so I journal now and I just write about, you know, today, Helen said this, May did this, we did this. I've stopped counting the blessings and I need to do that again. Thank you for reminding me. I shouldn't just write down what happened. What was pretty cool about it is I went back a couple of days ago as I was just doing a little mild prep. I was pretty organic, but I read your first blog post, January 1st, 2010, and it was titled The Walk. About taking and, a walk. Yeah, it was about taking the walk. But that's what's crazy about it, Aaron, is that it was talking about you're, you're showing your mom things that you didn't think she had seen. You were talking about houses. You were talking about Laurel. And the very first blog, in a lot of ways, it was the complete impetus to what you end up doing years later. It's the same story. It's yeah. family and houses and, and community and all those things. And at that point, all you did was get up terrified because you were doing a stationary company and you, you took a walk. There's a little bit of symmetry yeah. to that a little bit. It was, it was, it was kind of, it, it kind of hit me a little bit. I was like, wow, that's, that's really interesting. That was day one. It wasn't, Hey, I got, you know, I got a new butcher block or I got something else. You know what I mean? It was, it was this. So yeah, there's something to I, that. I haven't thought of that, but you're exactly right. I mean, uh, we were like making that TV show just for the two of us, I think for years before a camera filmed it. But um, yeah, that was another part of it. Like, I had just moved home from Oxford. Mm-hmm. It's hard to leave Oxford for a place that's on life support. Do you know what I mean? Like Laurel was struggling and Oxford had been such an enriching and fun and wonderful place to live for a few years while we were in college. And I was going through like a little bit of grief and homesickness about missing Oxford. And I thought the best combatant to that would be let's really focus on what is wonderful about Laurel. And I mean, a TV show grew out of it. That's, that's the truth. I think all the greatest things in our life have happened because we focused on the blessings in it instead of what wasn't good. Yeah. I'm having like a moment right now. Jay. (laughs) You say this this way. Yeah, because you talked about, you know, I'm going to write this on this every day. And there's something to consistency, no matter what it is, and whether it's exercise or writing or, or picking out the positives. 
I would assume that over time it became part of your day to some point that it actually did make you a more, maybe not a more positive person. You've never been like, you know, like Eeyore or anything, but at the same time, when you're, you start looking for those things, when you know you've got to write one down every day, it does has, has to make you a little more cognizant of what's around you. Right. It totally does. Because on days that were terrible, you know, if someone died, if, if business was bad, mm-hmm. I still had to find something good to say. And the discipline that requires is not always easy. And um, yeah, it honestly, I think at the time when I started at Ben was Mr. Positive about everything. Glass sure. is half full always. And I was like, mm, the glass could get knocked over Ben. And now I think we've sort of switched places. He's kind of become a cynic. He's like, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And that's very anti who he used to be. And now I'm like, I don't know. I think if it seems too good to be true, it's probably like, it's possible. You know, that seems possible. And I think it's the blog. The blog sort of changed a part of my brain in a way. You said, you know, your parents, Ben, me, obviously, at some point, friends, people who stumbled across the blog, and it's a totally different level. I understand that. But just sharing your life, no matter what it is, I mean, you're trying to figure out what to do. In any way, did just documenting things personal and putting them out into space, did that prepare you at all for what was to come? I know it's a completely different level. And I mean, you and I talked about, you know, evils of social media and things along those lines. But just in general, did it make it easier to even kind of even open up to whatever level you have to for what you currently are doing? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It, um, it's like when I was writing, I called it a journal versus a blog. Cause I didn't talk about anything like producty or mm-hmm. cool. I don't know. People blog, they, they are imparting some sort of wisdom. I wasn't, <laughs> but um, when I did that, I was always very cognizant of the internet is written in ink. Anything you put out there, anything you write and you publish, you tweet it, you put it on your Facebook, your Instagram, it's there forever. Somebody screenshot it, somebody saved it, somebody printed it. It exists forever in perpetuity. I love that word and I don't get to use it a lot. And so that um, is something that, Ben, well, he used to be a youth minister and he would talk to his students about that a lot. Like your, your internet life is not real, mm-hmm. but also the things you say there can be held against you. So you guys need to, and I thought about it a lot. So the things I share there and on TV and with the world now are things that I feel the general public might relate to. It might make someone feel less alone. It might make someone feel like they're not weird. If someone who's on TV feels that way, then I must be okay. Because I always like affirmation. It feels good for someone to tell you, that's not weird. That makes sense to me. (laughs) And I like to help people in that way if I can. You touched on it. You tried really hard to not put your your children in public view um, for very obvious for safety reasons. I mean, you had an incident just over a year ago with someone in your in your town. Um, all those different things. What is that balance, though? Because you you have an Instagram that you tried to make personal to some extent. It's also public. It's out there. There's tons of people on it. You know, because even to whatever minuscule level I have, I get up every day and Carly Ann does something. Do I go, do I talk about it in the podcast? Do I not? What stories do I tell? Because there's a there's a portion of it where 
you do try to connect with the people who are following you or listening to you and you try to be human and you do those different things for a lot of reasons while also trying to protect things. So what's been sort of the, the give and take on that? I know you try not to show faces and different things, but what's been the, what's been the goal there? Um, well, I would never want the girls to be 16 years old and say, I'm so embarrassed about what you put out there about me. And mm-hmm. I try to think of them as a 16 year old. What, would she be okay with? But then also Helen is really pretty mature. She, we, she's never held a phone. She's, they've never had screen time or anything. And we've taught her that you can go to very bad places on a phone. And so if I ever take her picture, which is like a million times a day, she says, what are you going to do with that picture? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to share it with anybody. You can Uh send it to Yaya, but that's it. So she sort of understands and I never want to, I would never want to share anything that I think she might disapprove of as her future self. And that's what I think of for both of them. But I also want to, I want the world to know how proud I am of our girls and how much we love them and how very important they are to our life and everything that we do is for them. And I feel like it would be disingenuous to pretend they just don't exist on social media. So it's difficult. It's actually very difficult. I don't like navigating the social media world because it feels dangerous in a lot of ways, but it also is such a great tool for connecting in a genuine way with people you might not otherwise get to. You just turn off mentions and comments for yourself and scroll through. How do you sort of maintain it individually or personally? I mean, obviously you've Uh, developed a different skin now than five years ago. Yeah, after I post something, I just don't read comments afterward mm-hmm. because it, I, I read things like uh, people saying what someone's opinion is of me is not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to think that way, but that's hard. That's really hard for me. So I, it's best for me to not know what people think. You've gotten to do a lot of work in Laurel, obviously, is the whole premise for a lot of what you've done. You get to sleep in your own bed a pretty good bit. But just in general, what are kind of the keys for work-life balance, having that time for your kids? You're you're gone. You were in New York recently, all these different things. What are sort of the the tenets that you try to make sure of that you're getting, you know, family time, whether it's you and Ben or the kids or whatever? What are sort of the goals there, the things you want to make sure in your days or your weeks most times? Well, we're very good at saying no. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think our, our like management team probably doesn't love that about us, but we say no to way more than we say yes to. And anytime travel is involved, if it's going to be more than two nights, they have to come with us. If there's any way one of us can stay home and be with them, we do that. But that's so rare. This book was the first time it's ever happened where Ben did not go with me. And that was kind of scary to me because we do everything together and I've never traveled without him. I've never been anywhere without Ben. And, uh, but it was more important that the girls have one of us at home. I don't want them to ever think something's different. Like why are my mommy and daddy not around as much as my cousins? And we don't want her to ever and may too i I just keep saying helen and it's only because she she's four but she acts like she's 14 suddenly she just knows so much about the world and 
it's coming for May, but she's still a baby. I want her to stay a baby forever if she won't. But um, yeah, so we're, we're always trying to say no to everything that doesn't support us as a family, not financially, but as like with our time and, and our energy, if it doesn't support us having time with the girls, then we just can't do it right now. It's the season of life that we're in. And maybe when they're a little older, we can say yes to more things when they're more independent and can travel with us more easily, then we can say yes to things. But that's obviously, yeah, that's obviously a huge part of it. What else goes into what you say yes or no to? I mean, what, what, what are, what, what are the things, I mean, cause I've, I'd listened to a couple of different podcasts and different things over the months and years. And, you know, you talked about, you know, you want the, you want to be in line with values and all those sort of things, but yeah. you know, other than, other than time, you're, thrown in a ton of different directions. I mean, if you said yes to everything, I would assume you're gone every day and you would never stop. So what, yeah. what does go into what you, how, how you manage that, that work-life balance? Well, um, we say yes to things that are American made. That's really <sighs> the thing that we care about most because we know that the only reason Laurel is able to bounce back from the recession it went through is because there's so much industry here. So much is made here. So much employment is here in Laurel. And that's how you keep a town alive. It's not sexy. It's not cool, but that's the truth. Manufacturing in the United States is what keeps towns alive. So that um, is something we care a lot about. And that's the reason we opened a factory here in the last year. Mm -hmm. We want to make things here. And then that just, uh, that's the sustainable way you keep a town alive. You, you, you did home, hometown takeover. You've got hometown kickstart going on now to some extent from a, from a viewing standpoint. What's been the, I guess the motivation's obvious, but what's, what, what's been the nice part of going into places other than Laurel? I mean, I did a couple searches, saw her with Humpka still seeing a lot of positive effects of, of, of that benefit and different things. What, yeah. what, what, what's been the nice part of getting outside this and sharing at least to some extent with these other towns? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, well, just experiencing another town. Every town has a different flavor. Mm-hmm. Nothing can be Laurel. And nothing, that was the thing we realized right away when we moved home from Oxford, we can never make Laurel Oxford. Oxford is Oxford. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is the thing you have to focus on when you're revitalizing any small town is leaning into what makes this place special. And Wetumpka has so much about it that's special. We just enjoy being there. They have so many great restaurants and it's gorgeous. This whole downtown on the river bluffs overlooking this incredible rushing river that looks like you're somewhere so far away and you're in Alabama. It was, um, it was very special to see the way other towns are doing it and what we could offer as insight on what helps and what doesn't help where you should exert your energy and where you shouldn't when you're trying to revitalize. That was fun for us. It was also very, 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 very difficult. I found out I was pregnant on that work trip and I found out how much I could handle. We were, um, you know, it was the middle of the pandemic and it was rough. It was really, really hard to make that show, but it was worth it. It's such a beautiful one. And Wetumpka is apparently really thriving. I'm happy for them. What level did you guys get, if any, say in what towns you go to? Are you given a list? Are you told? I mean, how, how does that work on where those towns are located that, that you guys end up in? Oh, we get no say at all. Okay. <laughs> None at all. There are like 6,000 entries and HGTV makes the call. Okay. Which is nice because then we're not mentally burdened with choosing a favorite. Like, yeah, you told 5,900 no, actually, is what happened there. Yeah, right. Yeah, that hurts. And all of them seem wonderful. So HGTV has their, like, set formula, I guess, for what they think makes a great TV series. And and we get sent where they choose. What You, you, you mentioned that, you know, later on you can say yes to more things. You never really know. You guys are in a, I guess, a mid-season break right now for season six of, of Hometown. Well, we're we film year round, but okay. we can't make enough episodes in a year to air every week all year. Okay. So we never stop filming, but new episodes will be out later this year. So how many are in the can right now? What does that mean? What do you well, mean like how that? many are already done, ready to go? Like how many houses that have not been shown have you have you done? Mm, we've done. So th- this ep- this season is 20 episodes. You've seen 10. Okay. There will be 10 more coming. Okay. We finished five of them. Oh, okay. Maybe You're still in the fall four. episodes. You have not finished all of those episodes yet. Right. We've okay. The ones that will be airing at the end of this year are done. Okay. And the rest will be in 2023, <laughs> the ones we're working on right now. And that's technically season seven. Mm-mm. Season oh, okay. six, part two. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everybody's 
doing that now. You split up this season. So, because apparently people don't watch TV in the summer. I'm sure you know about this. Sure. So they don't like to put out new TV in the summertime. So here we are. We'll, we'll see everyone on TV this fall. I'm, I know I've been stuck on work life and different things, but you guys have tried to do as much as you can. You try to preserve as much family time as possible. You mentioned that, you know, maybe later on the kids can travel with you. You know, you never know. I mean, who, hopefully these things go forever or however long you want them to go, but it's a, it's a fickle business a lot of ways. In some ways that you guys just, you mentioned the words, you just kind of see this as a season of life and you take whatever opportunity comes uh-huh. knowing that it's, it's that day and who knows what tomorrow brings. I mean, what's, what's sort of the yeah. mindset? Because I mean, your evidence, given what we've talked about today, you need plans, but at the end of the day, a one, five or 10 year plan is somewhat meaningless because we have no idea what's coming. Chase, thank you for saying it. I yeah. hate when people ask me, where do you guys yeah. see yourself <laughs> in five years? And <laughs> I honestly have stopped making plans. I don't have any plans. What will be, will be. Because every single plan Ben and I ever made, not one thing came to fruition. Not one single thing. He was going to go to law school. I was going to be a magazine editor. We were not going to live in Laurel. If we had kids, we had kids. But it wasn't like a goal. I mean, literally nothing that we thought would be and everything that's happened has been a God thing and a thousand times better than anything we ever dreamed for ourselves. So my advice is do the best you can work as hard as you can every day and what will be will be because that's the truth. What's been the, and it's an obvious thing, but what's been the benefit to have, you know, working with friends, with relatives, to having your parents? I mean, you got to such a built-in support system. I mean, you made a joke about Helen yeah. thinking everybody's on TV, but at the same time, that has to kind of increase, not just, not normalcy as in, oh, well, I couldn't just have friends that aren't on TV or anything, but to share in the experiences of the things you're going through and to have somebody yeah. who understands those things. What has sort of been the obvious benefits of that? exactly what you said they yeah. understand the weird the weird aspects of this job and also there's just a level of trust you can have with people you've known your whole life i don't know why once you're on tv people think of you differently even though you're not different mm-hmm. except the people that you've known your whole life right they don't care if you're on tv yeah. like for instance, we cannot get Ben's brother and his wife to just like come over and eat dinner with us. We're like, hey, you guys, we cook supper tonight. I made it low carb because I know that you're eating low carb. And they'd be like, we just, we got leftovers. <laughs> like We're their old brother and sister. We're not hip and cool, I guess. And like, I don't know. It's nice to be surrounded by normal, normalness. Yeah. So were you guys in the, were you at the final four? I know Ben's a big Duke guy. What was it? Was it, was it, was it final four? Or what were we doing? We were, yeah. we were there. It was devastating. It was stressful. Oh my gosh. But it was really fun. Really, really fun. Um, this last year has just been like Ben's dreams come true. I wish he were here to talk about it. I'm going to try to do it justice right now, but he has worshiped. Coach K and the Duke basketball program his entire life. His dad went to Duke and they grew up watching every game. And um, 
it was all he believed in high school that he would play at Duke someday. That was a dream for him. And he wrote a letter to Coach K when he was in seventh grade and said, my name's Ben Napier and I want you to remember it because one day I'm going to play for you. And, um, you know, then in the last couple years, he found out through Wright Thompson. Dean, I'm sure you know Wright. I do, sure. Okay, he's a good friend of Ben's and a sports writer. And he um, had been doing a story on Coach K's final season and found out from John Jackson, who works for the athletics department at Duke, that uh, John was this huge hometown fan. And Wright was like, no way. My buddy Ben's a huge Duke fan, which was an understatement. He connected John and Ben. Now, John and Ben talk every single day. And John invited us to come to the games. Ben got to go to a game and take his dad and his brothers, all of them, in Cameron. His last game at Cameron. No, it was the uh, his last win at Cameron. He got to take his dad and brothers, too, which was a huge, huge moment. He got to meet Coach K. Coach K hugged his neck and was like, Ben, what are you doing here? And so <laughs> big, 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 big moment for him. And then Coach yeah. K was nice enough to really visit with Ben's dad and all his brothers. So then we went to the final four. I am just like, I am a Duke fan by marriage. I, I've tried to catch up on everything I've missed. I yeah. understand why it's very important to him. And gosh, it was stressful. And seeing Coach K in real life breathing the same air as him at his last game was, ugh, crushing. He's just, you know, he's a part of American history. You don't get to be in the presence of history often in your life. And it's just basketball, but for a lot of people, it's a lot more than that. Ben kind of shake it off afterward? Yeah, he was just thankful to have been there. Yeah, you know? okay. He, he doesn't get bent out of shape about a loss, but he does believe that he controls the outcome by things that he wears. That, that, that's that a pretty, that's a pretty common thing. You know, you got to sit, we, we were, uh, I, I saw on my website last week that while Ole Miss was playing in the baseball regional in Miami, one guy, they, they had a comeback while he was in the car. So he watched the rest of the weekend from his car. Um, that was, that was a thing. So. That's a Ben Napier move. Totally. Like he would watch it here in the living room of our house and he was watching the game and things started going south. And he's like, I can't, if I'm in the room, I've got to go to the dining room, the dining. We were winning when I was in the dining room, I've got to take off this Duke hat. I've got to go put on the other Duke hat because that's the one when we were winning. It's so hilarious how people develop like, a mental illness from watching sports where they believe they control the outcome of a game, but it's uh, pretty funny too. Well, and it's, it's a thing you mentioned writing a letter when he's that young, you know, tall, big people can do that. I never could have gone, Hey, I'm going to play in the NBA one day. You know, I'm, I'm five, eight. That was never going to be a thing. Like, it's just, sorry. That's what it is. You know, yeah. you, you know, I, I guess, you know, you, 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 you sang in some coffee shops and things. I guess maybe you thought you were going to be, you know, Alanis Morissette or somebody <laughs> maybe at one point. But. Yeah, I, I think I did for a time, but then I let that go when I went to college. Um, and then I focused on, I'm going to have an art career. I'm going to be an, a magazine design editor. But um, yeah, I mean, Ben was six foot six in seventh grade. And yeah. so his coaches were like, you're going to be amazing. And then he moved to North Carolina when his dad went to Duke and 
you know, basketball is everything there. So that was a huge part of his life. Even when we met in college, he played basketball every night, you know, directly at Jones. And he played almost every night at Ole Miss too. But um, his ankle's in terrible shape now. He doesn't do it as much as he used to. You mentioned best laid plans. Like you said, you thought you were going to be an artist. Now you write a children's book and you wrote it but didn't do the illustrations. Like, had I told you that 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't have bought that. I am not an illustrator and I have known that my whole life. (laughs) All right. Illustrating is a whole other animal from what I can paint a still life. I can paint a house, but I cannot tell a story with images that I have painted with my hands. My brain doesn't go there. And that's specifically what Adam does. So to me, there was never a world where I illustrate my own children's book. That book would not have been popular. (laughs) I promise. How did you connect with him? Uh, We've been friends forever. We just both grew up in Laurel. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, our first project was together about 10 years ago. We did another children's book called I Live in Laurel. And my mom wrote it. It was based on a children's history of Laurel that his mother wrote. And I remember that. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you still play any guitar? Any scene? No. Spare time? No video? Why video? did I bring that up? No. I'm going to get Been you back to singing and guitar and blogging and all kind of stuff before we're done with this interview. I mean, I'm trying I mean, to bring I'm it all only, back here. My guitar is sitting in the corner staring at me. But, um, no, Ben wishes I would play. Helen wishes I would play. And I just don't anymore. Not for any reason other than I just got a lot going on. <laughs> What is your hobby, your decompression? What are you doing? What do you what, what do you do for a little new time? Hmm. We watch something on TV together for one hour when the kids are in bed. Surely everyone okay. does that though. That's literally the only unscheduled hour of my life every <laughs> single day. I mean, you know, you you talk to Nicole who had I to did. perfectly schedule you into the day. And so yeah. We get one hour at night and we watch TV. We finished Stranger Things and now I don't have anything and I don't know what to do. I need a show. Is there a certain genre or are you just anything? You're pretty open. No, something good. Something good. We liked, um, it seems like we watch a lot of dark stuff. I mean, Ozark and Stranger Things were both mm-hmm. very good. And The Mayor of Easttown on HBO. Did you, did you happen to see that? I haven't so seen good. that one, though. No. So good. Kate Winslet plays awesome Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, something good that keeps you on the edge of your seat, I guess, is what we like before we go to bed. That's what we watch to decompress. Movies about money laundering with Mexican drug cartels. <laughs> something to really relax. It's it, it's been long enough that I, I'll, I'll give a spoiler warning here. But at the end of Ozark, he he shot the detective, right? Don't you think? Shot the detective. Yeah. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. You know, there was, there was talk on the internet that maybe he shot the cookie jar. Shot the cookie jar? You know, the, the guy's because it would destroy the evidence. He's not as evil as the parents, so he can't kill the guy, but he destroys the evidence that they were going to try to convict Marty and Wendy with. Maybe. You may. I mean, not, I probably but... not. I'm just throwing, like, just, I saw that somewhere. So. I don't know. It was a very splashy ending. Yeah. Well, it kind of copied the Sopranos a little bit, which I know is dear to your heart. So it kind of got in their Um, their wheelhouse a little bit. 
do you want to do a podcast just about the Sopranos? Sure. Absolutely. I'm down for that. I'm the biggest Sopranos fan in the world, which I think is probably shocking to literally anyone who's ever watched Hometown, but it's the best show ever. The best writing, the best acting. Do you ever, I know you don't have time. You just said that, but do you ever turn it back on? I mean, do you rewatch an episode? Yeah. We did like, after Stranger Things ended, we were like, well, back to Tony. Yeah, you've got a movie prop in your house still, right? Yeah. Where's that painting? In the dining room. Okay. (laughs) In a place of prominence, exactly where it belongs. (laughs) It was one of three, right? Uh, Only, yeah, there were three that were done for the show. We supposedly have one of them. So okay, we're gonna say you do. I think it's real. Yeah, we're we're gonna say it's real. Ben says it's not. I choose to believe that it is. It is painted by hand. Some crazy person painted it for some reason. I might as well enjoy it and and assume that it's a real one. When were you last in Oxford? I don't even. I don't even remember. Um, ben was there for the bar. Was that the last time he was there? Yeah. You with him? Yes, I went for one night. One night. Yep, that was it. I never get to travel. We never get to leave home. Like, because when you're making a TV show, there's, you know, 50 or 100 people whose jobs depend on Ben and I. If we get sick, if we have to go do a personal project for ourselves and go out of town, they're day players. A lot of them, I mean, their income depends on working every day. And so we're very cognizant of that. We don't take many days off. It's hard to go to Oxford. I mean, it's a four-hour drive. So if you go, you got to spend the night. So when's the last vacation you took? It's not a good sign, Erin. Okay. In August, we went to the beach for a few days, but we're fixing to take a big trip with both girls for the first time in a couple weeks. Maybe it's not big to everybody. We're going to go to Smith Lake. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. We've heard that it's gorgeous. I'm I'm from over that way. So, no, I understand. Okay. Yeah, I'm from yeah, like just incredible. on the Mississippi side of the Alabama line. Smith Lake's like an hour okay. from me, something like that, from where I grew okay. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks amazing in pictures, and it's become like a lot of Laurel people go there and really? say that it's incredible. So I gotta go. I gotta see this place. Yeah. Okay. So what's the next couple of days like? What's a what's a day in the life right now? What are you doing today? What are you doing tomorrow? Um, we get to watch the Elvis movie this afternoon. Oh, okay. It comes out June 24th, but because of the Warner Brother Discovery merger, they asked Ben and I if we would be spokespeople for the movie, I guess because we're from Mississippi. I have okay. been so excited about this for like over a year. I'm like about to bust. I'm going to get to watch Elvis today. But um, so we can talk about it. And we're going to get to interview um, Austin Butler that plays Elvis. And... Uh, then today we're actually off we're not filming today and i'm about to try to buy some artwork like some of my favorite artist work is going up on her website for sale in eight minutes i'm going to try to buy what i can yeah to use for the show and use at our house and then uh i don't know that's kind of it for today but normally we get up at eight we go film tv till five o'clock and then we come home that's a normal day how do you take your coffee, breakfast before all this? What's the what's the routine in the morning? Ben gets up at 4.30. And he goes and uh, he goes to his study. He 
writes me a letter. He reads the Bible. He drinks his coffee. He reads the Wall Street Journal. And then he goes to the gym at six and he works out and then he's home at seven. That's when the girls wake up. We all do breakfast together. And at eight, we're out the door and we go to work. And you're up at, huh? And you're up at time. Don't worry about it, Chase. (laughs) I noticed that was Ben's morning routine. That was not Aaron's morning routine, was it? I wake up at 6.15. Okay. Which I think is pretty dang good. I'm prioritizing sleep in my life right now. No, I understand. I I, I, I completely get it. So uh, what is, um, I know you said summer hiatus a little bit, but um, this is coming out in the summer. What's going on? What should people pay attention to right now? Um. Well, hometown will be back later this year. I think I'm not allowed to say when yet, but there okay. is a date and we know when it is. And uh People will get to see us renovate our house in the country. That'll be real special. And um, yeah, the Lantern House is out now. That's everything that's happening. What happens the first time you see a book that you write in actual print? What's the emotion, the feeling when it actually is sitting in front of you? You've done a couple now, but what's the, what's yeah. the, what, what's the feeling? Okay. You know how when you make a sandwich for yourself? Not as good. Okay. For me, it's like that. It's like, ah, it's not a big deal because I made it. In the same way that like being on TV must not be a big deal because I'm on TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels too, uh, I've, I've been so close to it for a year that when you see the real thing, it's sort of like, I've already seen 10 different proofs and versions of it. The real thing doesn't have such a big effect. But but in a lot of ways, that's like it's a disappointing answer, isn't it? No, 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 no. That, that, I mean, as we close, that's kind of why you resonate, though. It's why you and Ben resonate. I mean, you're not going to say it because you're modest, but a lot of the connection is that because I, I will get this question. People know that I know you to whatever extent, and they're like, "Hey, you know, were they like that?" I'm like, "Yeah, she's still Aaron Raspberry from 2006. Like, it's the same person." So, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's been the point, though, because if you're getting all up on it, oh, well, I did this and I did that, well. That's not connecting to people. Okay, great. They're you're up here. I mean, you're you're staying even with people. Yeah. Yeah, there's like I think like movie stars and actors, they probably have a very different experience than me mm-hmm. where they're like legit famous people and they seem like legit famous people, but I feel like I don't have anything to do with that. Like I drive right. a Chevrolet Suburban and I go eat spaghetti at my mama's house three times a week. It doesn't feel like I have anything to do with fancy people but um <laughs> yeah i wrote a book and it feels like a term paper yeah. that other people will read <laughs> yeah. well I, uh, I know you, get, you got a little artwork to, to buy here in a minute i appreciate it four minutes okay yeah you're right there you four can get on until the sale begins do you want to promote your artists or no or you want to mention oh, her, no because somebody wait this <laughs> it's not live you're good you're fine her name is her name is blakely little i'm a big fan her artwork's okay. gorgeous. So, so, you, so you already have some. Yeah. I I don't because oh. she only has these sales so often. And I want a big painting, so I'm waiting and I'm I'm hoping I can beat all these suckers that are fixing to get on here and try to get them before I can. We'll see. Okay. Well, enjoy your day off. 
really really appreciate it. Let's uh, let's do it again, and then hometown again yes. coming back at a at an Thank undisclosed you so date. Much. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. I hope that this isn't like too far off the beaten path for your listeners. But no, this is my goal time. right here. This is uh, this is perfect. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye, yeah. Chase. Bye. Thanks to Erin for joining us today. It was great to catch up with uh, her, and we'll be back again next week with another episode of People I Sort of Know here on the MPW Digital Network. Our guest next week, Ben Ingram. He, uh, You know him from the Atlanta Braves. Ben uh, has been on our podcast as well. He's a uh, guy who is returning uh, also to the uh, to the network. He's a pretty busy man, but he took some time for us here as he's with the Braves Radio Network. He does the uh, From the Braves Booth podcast, and you can uh, obviously hear him around Braves games as well. So Atlanta Braves Radio Network, it's Ben Ingram joining us on next week's show. Come back for that. And in the meantime, again, thanks to Eric, and we'll be back with you again soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.